I find that when I'm with a believer and we're disagreeing, it's almost like you just get to this point where you recognize that you're both believers and you're going to be okay for eternity's sake. So there's no fight that you don't have to like win this argument and you guys can move on and get along. Sometimes it feels like more of a betrayal though. Sometimes you're like, how can you believe this as a believer? Are you not seeing the truth? I think the biggest thing for me, again, is just going back to that place of, okay, I am not the Holy Spirit in this situation. Holy Spirit speaks to each believer in their lives. I am not responsible for changing their mind. My job is to show up and represent what God has given me, and that's the end of my responsibility. Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith-inspired to tackle the messy and embrace the beautiful areas of life. We're going to meet you right where you're at, right when you need it, by helping you live a less stressed, more joy-filled life lived by bold faith and walking in obedience. You have a God-sized calling, but you don't have to choose between your sanity or juggling it all. We'll keep you one step ahead, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith-inspired. Because faith is not just a belief. It's a lifestyle. Come on, let's get it. Politics can lead to dicey and fiery conversations no matter what political side you find yourself on. Left or right or everything in between, you can't get away from the volatility of it all. So much so that I said I wasn't ever going to go there on the podcast. But given the political state of America and even the world, there's no better time than now. However, in my conversation with Denise Gitsum, a woman with more than two decades of experience working in the highest levels of the government, you won't hear us going to bat for one side over the other. Why? Because as Christians, we are called to maintain peace and love those we disagree with while standing firm on God's truth. So you will hear how you can lean into politics, engage with it with wisdom and discernment, and use your faith as a unifying force with believers and non-believers on the other side of the aisle. Now's not the time to shy away. Let's be bold and dive right in. Denise, welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Erica. Yeah, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on, and I have to be honest, this is a conversation I thought I would never have on the podcast. I <laughs> I have vowed time and time again to never talk about politics on the podcast. And then just it seems like the timing is right because everywhere you turn, culture is really clashing and politics are like wherever you go. And so now is the time and I'm excited to have you on because you just seem like the exact person to have this conversation about because we're going to talk about how Christians can feel comfortable with being involved with politics and really talking about politics with people, even with opposing views. We're really staying true to what the Bible says. And there's um, a Bible verse that my husband and I had as like our family Bible verse about two years ago, and it was Colossians 3. 15, and I think it's so appropriate for right now, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. And so I think that is kind of the theme that we're going to have as we're talking about politics and Christians, Christians in politics. So thank you so much again for being on today. Thank you. 
So you have an extensive background in politics. Can you tell me about your involvement in politics? Really, like, where did you start? Where was the inspiration in that? How do you fall into politics? And how has that really just changed your life? Politics seems almost at times like a generational curse in our family. (laughs) I feel like my grandfather was a two-star general with Chiang Kai-shek on my Chinese side. And that was a very political thing because the military was very much wrapped up with the political structure of China and later on Taiwan. So he was very political in nature. My other grandfather, my Welsh grandfather, great-grandfather was actually mayor of Cardiff, Wales. And so there's just been a long interest and generational um, sort of anointing, I guess, depending on the day, anointing or curse, in terms of our relationship with politics. And when I was in high school, I kind of, you know, I always ran for student body president and was always class president. And then even in college, I engaged in student government. I was class president. I kind of realized that about halfway through college, um, I went to a very liberal arts college in Maine. And I felt like there were all these things that were being said in classrooms that I didn't really agree with, but I didn't really know what to do about it. And so because I was so pro-life and I am so pro-life, I decided to look into you know how to talk about the issues that I cared about. And because of my convictions, being pro-life being one of them, I kind of fell into politics and I was really blessed to have an opportunity to work for the chief strategist for Governor George W. Bush's campaign at the age of 22, coming straight out of college. God opened doors for me that no man could have opened. And I ended up in Austin, Texas, working on a very historic campaign that ended up leading to the White House, 9-11, and set the whole trajectory of my career on a different path. Wow. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It really is unbelievable. Like, I am the daughter of immigrants. Um, One of the things I think that has always caused me to love politics so much, unlike most people, is that I see what a great force for good it can be. My mother escaped communist China. And when you have a parent that came from such an oppressive regime, you understand that these freedoms, what we have in America, is not something that happened accidentally. They were carefully orchestrated by our founding fathers, and they were designed by God. And for us to to do anything other than appreciate them and to figure out how we can support God's vision for our country is really an abdication of responsibility for anyone who has the ability to exercise that responsibility. And that's how I view it, is as a civic duty. But it's also one that I happen to love, so it makes it easier for me to do. So let's dive into that because a lot of Christians, including myself, do not feel comfortable with politics. I have my mom who is very heavy into politics and she always wants to chat about it. It makes me so uncomfortable and I just don't want to go there. Like that's just not my my thing. I'm more of like, let's just keep the peace. But I know, especially these days, you know, there's a lot, a lot of Christian values and views are going head to head right now. And so it's super important to actually start getting involved. So really, what do you think is the proper role for politics in the believer's life right now as we sit in our current state of the world? First, I think we have to see politics through the lens that we see anything in this world. When you understand that spiritual warfare is a reality, you realize that the devil is always out looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's true in every realm of culture. You see it in entertainment. You see it in education. Really, in the business world, whether it's love of money or love of anything else that isn't God, there's something that's fighting for your attention and your affection and to shape who you are and what your families become and what our nation becomes. And so 
I really see politics not as a fight of ideology so much, which really helps depersonalize it. It puts it in the proper context. But rather, I see politics as a means of spiritual warfare, where it's not my job to convince somebody else of what I think God has said to me. Because to be fair, like I have a lens that's very much shaped by my background, my experiences in life, and I don't have the whole picture. You know, we only see in part, later we will see in full. And so to understand it and have that humility engaging in politics, a lot less is at stake in terms of ego, right? I could be wrong and I recognize that I don't see the full picture. And so I engage in politics with more of a curiosity of what is that person's experience? This is a believer that I disagree with. So help me understand why you feel that way. And when I engage that way, I learn And I also find that they learn something and we come to the middle. Maybe we don't agree on everything, but we have a spirit of unity that God commands us to have as believers in the body of Christ. And so I think the devil has used politics as one of the biggest dividing wedges in our society and amongst Christians. And I will fight that division with all of my heart because it goes so against the nature of God and what he calls us to. So I think when you approach it not as a life or death battle, an existential threat for somebody to have a different opinion, and we see it for what it is, which is ultimately God's still in charge. God only allows the authorities that he has appointed for this season and time to be in charge, and we are called to honor those authorities whether we like them or not. If you look at scripture and when God calls believers to honor the authorities, oftentimes those authorities were people who were after them, after them, like killing them, had enslaved them and were brutal to them. And yet God called us to honor them because he said, look at the big picture. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned in my 20 something years of politics is how do we get the ask ask for God's perspective on an issue? Ask others to help round out your perspective to help you see what you're missing. Ask for wise counsel, which could come from the other side of the aisle, and then engage in politics as a disciple first and as someone who has opinions second. Can you give an example of what you have gone against? I mean, I would love to hear there's a person on the other side of the aisle who is a Christian and you have the same belief in Jesus and in God and, you know, but you're fighting the battle against each other. Can you walk that out? What does that actually look like? Because that's something that we could learn from on a day-to-day. Yeah. And so I've done it with non-Christians, which makes it actually somewhat easier to sometimes to slip. I find that when I'm with a believer and we're disagreeing, It's almost like you just get to this point where you recognize that you're both believers and you're going to be okay for eternity's sake. So there's no fight that you don't have to like win this argument and you guys can move on and get along. Sometimes it feels like more of a betrayal though. Sometimes you're like, how can you believe this as a believer? Are you not seeing the truth? I think the biggest thing for me, again, is just going back to that place of, okay, I am not the Holy Spirit in this situation. Holy Spirit speaks to each believer in their lives. I am not responsible for changing their mind. My job is to show up and represent what God has given me, and that's the end of my responsibility. I can continue to do that and persist if God tells me to, but at some point I have to trust, just like any parent has to trust that God has their kid when they go off to college, or you know, just as in any way that you have to, you love something and you love somebody and you want to shake them and help them see what you think is the truth. You don't know what God's doing in their life or what journey they're on or what they've experienced. And I think that when we sit back and we say, God, help me to love this person first as I speak the truth that you've given me to speak and then leave everything else in your hands and then live a life that's reflective of what God has called us to be, that is orders of magnitude, more impactful 
I've experienced in my walk and in my time in politics than trying to shove an idea down someone's throat and win by force. It just goes against the very nature of God. I mean, God's given us free will. He's given us free will to be right, to be wrong. I could be right or wrong, and God still allows me to be it. So I need to respect and honor others, especially those that have a relationship with Christ, in the same way. That's a fantastic perspective. I think something that is just really hard when you're in it these days, so, so hard, especially when you have the media. And I hate to always blame the media, but that seems to where it comes from nowadays, social media, just media, media, and pinning us against each other where it really, I mean, if you think back, back in the day, they have like those old movies where there would be like best friends, but they were complete opposites. You know, they were complete opposites in (laughs) politics and personality, but then they would end up being best friends. And that just doesn't seem to exist nowadays. But that's kind of the way God created us to be is to just be in unity with one another. And so to remember that we can do that. And when you travel, if you know, if you go internationally, one thing that always strikes me so much is I have conversations with folks about where their political opinions lie. And you get a different perspective of what being on the opposite ends of a political spectrum actually means. In America, as much as we fight over how differently we think we believe, we're nothing like other people where there's a fascist party and there's like a communist party and you're like on complete different ends of the political spectrum. And we're here fighting kind of over the middle. And one thing that always reminds me of is that we're so blessed to live in America because we have these founding Judeo-Christian principles, regardless of whether people ascribe to them or not, or believe in Jesus or not. And so we have this operating basis that is like human beings are worth loving and fighting for. You know, in the pro-life, pro-choice argument, for example, the argument isn't over that people have value. The argument is over which life do we value more. And I think that that's such an interesting and helpful perspective to have. When I go into conversations, one of my best friends is a huge pro-choice leader in the movement, and she's a Democrat, and I love her so much, and she loves Jesus. And we have had, we've gone at it, you know, just like, let's talk about it. And we get heated. I cry. She cries sometimes. We'd misunderstand each other. But because we have such a strong bond, I know where her operating principle lies. And I know that ultimately she's fighting for something she really believes is a civil rights issue or the right of a woman who's alive, she's fighting for. She loves women. She loves her friends. She loves herself. She loves me. And so she's fighting for something from a different perspective that I also have to honor. God honors women. God loves women too. So, you know, how do we engage in conversations without compromising what God has given us as our truth, what his truth is, what we believe is the truth that we were called to carry? And at the same time, honor people for what they're carrying because there's something to it that is valuable. And because we live in America, we can generally trust that that's an operating principle we all ascribe to, no matter how closely we cling to Jesus. I'm interested to get your thoughts on how to actually like live that out. So for example, during the pandemic, things just kind of blew up. You know, this is why we're <laughs> so having badly. this conversation and I'm doing something I never thought that I would do because it's a reality. And I had a group of girlfriends that I've known for years, at least five years, maybe a decade. And we were close. I wouldn't say like super, super close, but close enough to hang out, you know, once a month. And yeah. during the pandemic, we had a couple of times where we got together. And I was the only, I am one of the only Christian women who really like lived out their faith. In our conversations, it was very evident that I was the only one on one side of the political spectrum and the rest were on the other. And they were very, very vocal 
uh, during the conversations about that. And I walked away after two or three times of being with them, feeling just defeated and going home and wanted to cry. And I just sat there and didn't say anything because I wasn't bold enough and I didn't know what to say. And so I kind of exited out of that friendship circle because I didn't want to feel that way anymore. And I didn't um, want to be attacked for the views that I had. And so I just quietly went away. And I think that goes back to, you know, when President Trump was elected and everybody was like, oh, that was unexpected, you know, but it's because <laughs> yeah. people were very quiet about their thoughts and, and all of that. And it could go on either side of the spectrum of whatever side of politics you're on. When you feel uncomfortable, you retreat and you don't say anything. I wasn't bold enough to do that. And so just your perspective and thoughts on like how to actually engage in those conversations when you are kind of feeling the only one out of like 10 women who are, you know, on the opposite side of what you believe. It's so funny that you say that because it's, I wrote a book called Politics for People Who Hate Politics, How to Engage Without Losing Your Friends or Selling Your Soul. And the introduction is actually an actual conversation I had with one of my dearest friends who's on the other side of the political aisle for me on most issues. And we were missionaries together in college. And she was my roommate, and I love her so much. And she called me one day, and she said, Denise, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of Black Lives Matter, and she said, I am so sick and tired of being sick and tired of like feeling like I'm all ways in the minority in my church, you know, and it was such an interesting thing to hear because I was hearing it living in California. I was hearing it from my conservative friends and she was on the liberal side in a conservative church. And she was like, I'm so tired of being told that I'm a bad person because I believe differently. And I know her heart, like her heart is all for Jesus. She was a missionary forever and she's still, she lives her life that way. So knowing that, you know, I, she said, what do I do? It's exactly what you asked. And I think so many of us ask this question and I try to answer it throughout the book. I think at the end of the day, like really at the beginning, before you even engage in a conversation like this, where you feel like, okay, I need to back away. I'm getting heated. That's actually not a bad thing, right? To take a step back and say, God, help me to see your perspective on this. There could be something that there's being reacted to that is actually a deeper spiritual issue. Usually when people feel really strong, whether it's you or I or our friends on the other side, there might be something that's actually a spiritual issue that's underlying those beliefs that God is calling us to minister to, right? Or to love or pray for them for. Maybe you don't even talk to them about it, but you see something and you're like, okay, there's something deeper here that's causing that belief system to emerge, right? And the, and the way it's being said, the feelings behind it, the motivation behind it. So there's that. And sometimes that's not it, right? Sometimes they just have really strong feelings. And in that case, it helps so much to really, if you're able to, to say, hey, like, I feel like this is getting in between us and I super love you and I don't want it to come between us because there's so much that we do have in common. Let's pray. Let's just cut. I know don't, don't make it weird. You know, obviously if you're not used to praying with them, then I wouldn't pray with them. But like, let's just start this conversation over and let's just pray that God's love and grace would enter our conversation because I feel like I'm coming under attack and I know that's not your intention. Right, because you got to presume that people are so stuck in how they think and feel that they often, whether it's about politics or any other heated topic, aren't really thinking about how it's coming across. And it's rarely intended to hurt other people. And so it's like any other issue if you have a heated issue at work, you know, if you have a heated issue in the church. People just have strong feelings. And at that season, gosh, with all the lockdowns and everything else that we've experienced, everyone was on edge. 
So hopefully, you know, if there's a time that you guys can come back together and really have that conversation in a loving, intentional way, I'm really big on truth. I think when you speak the truth, whether it's yours or theirs, the truth sets you free. And when you're able to speak honestly and have courageous communication and say, I felt triggered by whatever it was that you said. I know that's something in me. Maybe that's God showing me that I need to be more bold and is helping me learn how to do that. But my reaction to you was this, and I feel like I want to overcome that. And just engage them like you would in any conversation, any disagreement. It works every single time. I've never had it not work. So be open and vulnerable. Yeah. Tell them how you feel. We're women. We have feelings. We're so lucky. Like we get to talk in terms of like, I know this may not make sense, but I feel this way and I don't want to feel this way because I love you. Yeah. Be open. Use your words. We've got plenty of them as women (laughs) for the most part. We've got lots of them. We love to chat. So yeah, be open and vulnerable and use your words. And I think honestly, like looking back at that group of women who I do, I still love them dearly. I pray for them all the time. They're on my prayer list. And I believe if I had stood up for myself or not even standing up is not the right word, but if I had expressed my thoughts and my feelings, they would have been open to that. I think I just was, it was such a volatile environment that I felt not able to do that. So I think if I approach that now, and I did meet with one of those girlfriends and did express that one-on-one recently. And she said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry you felt that way. I never want anybody to feel that way. And so I think that's probably what it would have turned out to be, but I just wasn't bold enough in that situation. And so um, I think just being able to be bold and then going back to your topic, and I didn't brush on this, but I just want to bring this up because it is something that God put on my mind as well during, especially Minnesota is very, I think they're a trailblazer with a lot. And that's where I live. They're a trailblazer with a lot of laws Mm -hmm. right now. And so if you're a traditional Christian with those traditional beliefs, which not everybody has those as a Christian, but if you are, it's a a little hard right now Mm -hmm. um, with all the laws that are, are going into action. And there was one of them that was passed and somebody on my Facebook got super excited about it. And right away, I got feelings of anger and frustration and like, Lord, how could people even be excited about that? Like, I just, I don't even get it. And then I read her story and Mm. why she chose to have that viewpoint. And it was just an aha moment of like, I don't know what decision I would have made. And her situation was that she found out that she was pregnant with twins at the same time that she found out that she had a cancer that would kill her. And- she had to make the decision between her life or her children's life. And she chose her life because her husband had come to her and said, it makes me tear up, but had said, I can't do life without you. We already have these other children. I can't do life without you. And so that's why she felt strongly for her belief. And now my perspective is, whoa, like, I don't know what I would choose in that situation. And the fact that she even had to go through that, I have like this compassion because it's not a decision that she made lightly. You know, she talked about how it has, you know, really hurt her and has affected her. And so I think it's just going back to what you were talking about, having that curiosity of why people believe what they believe because we have not lived in their footsteps and we can get so blinded by what we believe because we believe it's right and forget that 
that whole component of Jesus and love and to remember that love and grace and all of that abounds, you know, over everything. And so I just wanted to bring that up because that was a big eye opener for me. You know, I still believe what I believe, but I just have more compassion for individuals who may choose the opposite because I don't know where they've been. First of all, I commend you for that because it's not a position that most people, unfortunately, are willing to take to be open. That is at the root of our issues, right? Pride has always been the downfall of everyone. It's one of the greatest sins. It's what led to Satan, right? Satan's rise or descent, I guess you could say. But I would say that is really commendable for you to want to care about that person enough. You may not even know that person is just a Facebook poster, but you know, it also helps to remind us that laws are imperfect. They're written by man and they're usually compromised. They're really imperfect. I've been in the lawmaking world forever. Policy is really my world. And I ran for Congress and I lost, but I ran for Congress on policy positions that are definitionally imperfect. You cannot have one rule that applies to everyone. If so, and Jesus, say Jesus had enforced you know, the law of adultery against the woman who was caught in adultery, but instead he chose to express grace. That doesn't negate the law. It just goes to show that when he understood her situation, and then he understood the hearts of the people that had written those laws and wanted to enforce them and kill her, he said, hold on a second. Like, the law still stands that I don't want you to do these things, but grace abounds. Grace is greater than that law. And thank God, or we would all be destined for a very different place than where we are. It doesn't change the fact that we stand for things, but it does help us to recognize that unless it comes from God, it's going to be definitionally imperfect. And we can always fight to make our laws better. That's the beauty of being in America is that we can always say, hey, like, There are exceptions. And in this case, I mean, when you go, I'm a lawyer. And so when we go before a judge, we argue the nuances of the case and say, I get the law is this, but this is why we should consider something different because while I agree with this law and I understand this law, these facts make it situationally different. And therefore, this law should be applied in a different way. That's literally how every legal case in America is argued. And so nothing fits perfectly in pre-existing established law, case law. So you're always arguing for the nuance. And I think that God is in the nuance. God cares about the nuances of our stories. God knows the number of hairs on our head. And he writes our name on the palms of his hands. And he knows everything about how we tick. And so as believers, we should be excited to engage and start saying, you know what? I want to make these laws better. How can I do that? How can I make this more reflective and gracious and truthful all at the same time? And I believe God can give us wisdom to do that. It'll never be perfect, but we can try. That's just so beautiful. And I'm actually like wanting to, uh, I want to do politics now, Denise. Hey. <laughs> I want to talk <laughs> politics. So how do you actually do that though? Like how can I and the listeners start to engage in politics and feel comfortable doing that and just be bold with what we believe? You know, there's a, a book that my college professor who was my mentor and opened doors for me into politics, the biggest door ever. And he wrote it and it's called Just Do It. <laughs> and I don't know if he had to like get permission from Nike to get that title or not, but 
it really is a matter of, you know, there's so many little ways as Americans, there's no obstacles. Like in every other country, almost, there are obstacles to getting involved. And in America, there are none. And we are aching for people to care enough to be involved. And so I think it's as little as attending, you know, civic engagement is part of political engagement. So whether you go to a school board meeting because you're interested in what's happening at your kid's school and what decisions are being made, that's a political movement. That's called civic engagement. Whether you say, you know what, I feel like people, I want to make sure that our elections are being fairly run, or I feel like people are being kept out of, you know, I want to make sure that everyone gets justice, whatever side of that issue you're on. I'm going to go be a poll watcher, or I'm going to, I'm going to be a poll worker. That's a way to get involved. You don't have to run for office to be in politics. You can also just, a lot of times, I, you know, when I ran for Congress, I was so blessed to have I'm half Chinese. And so if I had won, I would have been the first Republican Chinese congresswoman in the history of America. And so that historicity, like the potential of that made a lot of Chinese people come out of the woodwork to support me. And I saw these little kids that had always thought, you know, I'm going to be not a stereotype, but it is a stereotype for a reason. And certainly one that I grew up with, you know, if I'm Chinese, I got to go be a doctor or, you know, like some sort of science thing that I suck at. So I <laughs> I never bought into that because I'm horrible at science and math and I had no other options but politics and English. And so, you know, I saw these kids come alive because while a lot of them really were good at the STEM stuff, they saw an opportunity to be a more complete person by engaging civically. So I had kids in elementary school that were waving signs for me on the side of the road and putting up signs in people's yards and knocking on doors for me and calling people. These were like kids in junior high, you know, kids that just got excited. They probably didn't even know what I stood for, but their parents told them to do it. They probably got credit for it in high school or, you know, grade school or whatever. But the fact that they said they learned by doing, you could only learn by doing And when you get involved, you learn that like you have a voice and your voice matters. And if I could say anything to your listeners and to you and to anyone like who's considering being involved, there are no barriers except for what you limit yourself to. If you want to have a voice, use it. And like you said before, it is such a blessing to be in America. And nowadays it's not viewed like that. But man, we've just lost touch with how lucky that we are. I mean, if we just take a trip to some of those communist countries or yeah. countries that have regimes, like we will be running back here with open arms saying, thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to decide if I want to be Republican, Democrat, Green Party, whatever they all parties are nowadays. Like, thank you, Lord, that I have this ability and this free will in this country to make that decision and have these open conversations with people because most of the world doesn't. And so such a blessing that we we do. It's so true. I mean, if you need any other reminders other than traveling, just look at the tens of thousands of people that pour over our borders and risk their lives mm. in really dangerous ways to try to get here just for a taste of the American dream. We have something we really value. Um, we need to value. And it requires good people who really carry God's presence and his heart for America to really keep America on the track that we need to go down. So more than anything, I encourage believers to get involved because in the absence of our engagement, what comes in is very different 
It's a very different spirit. That is, I think, our greatest contribution to not only our future, but the generations that come after us. Yeah, amen. And yeah, especially for both sides, because Jesus is getting Christianity and Jesus, they're getting lost. He's getting lost. And if we can have Christians on either side, working together for the greater good and building the kingdom up together, my goodness, the impact that that could have, uh, an internal impact. So, yeah. Awesome. Denise, well, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation that I thought I wouldn't have. And now I'm really glad that I did. (laughs) I'm so glad that you enjoyed it because I know it's dicey and emotional, um, but let's make politics not weird. You know, it's like, it's just a conversation. We all have disagreements, but with God's help, we can really navigate things and help turn the tide. So yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, before we go, want to ask you how listeners can connect with you. Like you said, you do have a book coming out that you had said you can pre-order. So give us the details on your how to connect social website and book. Absolutely. I'm on Insta at DG Gitsum, G-I-T-S-H-A-M. I have a website. It's denisegracegetsome.com. And I have a book that's on pre-sale right now um, with Amazon and anywhere you get your books. It's called Politics for People Who Hate Politics, How to Engage Without Losing Your Friends or Selling Your Soul. It's written for believers, but I think anyone who has any faith foundation or even people who don't, who really just want to show up better in an area of culture that really brings out the worst in us, would agree with these principles regardless of whether they believe in the scriptural underpinnings. And so um, what it really speaks to is not about where you should fall on the political spectrum. Like I said, I'm not the Holy Spirit. That's for God to convict you on. But I'm really concerned about how we show up as disciples of Christ and as ambassadors of heaven. Our first and foremost identity is as believers and who we are in the world, whether in politics or other places, is reflective of who he is. And so when we lose that awareness and instead cling to what political party we think we believe in or whatever thing, whatever cause it is first over Jesus, we lose our ability to remember who we are. It's an identity crisis. And so this book is about calling us back to our first love. And it really is more a book about discipleship. You could have plugged it into any cultural arena and it would have had sort of the same advice. It's really just about showing up every day and being a better disciple. And So, you know, I'm not coming from a position of like, I'm telling you in the book, like how to do it. I'm telling you, I screwed up so many times and most of the stories are about what I did wrong and what I learned from it and how God rebuked me and is teaching me and how I still struggle. So it's an ongoing process and um, I just need more people to come alongside with me so we can all do better together. We all learn best from our failure experiences. (laughs) (laughs) So many. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, as as we all do, and we continue to have them, but they're the greatest testimony of God's goodness and his just wonderful correction. So I'm excited to dive into that book when it comes out in November. And then one last thing before we go, I just want to know what brought you joy today. You know, we've been having a really rainy season in California. And so usually I'm outside, but today I woke up and it was raining, and I just thought, you know what? Rain now gives me joy. It's like something that I always hated. I always lived in other places and I just hate gray skies. And 
this morning I woke up and I just thank God that we still get to get rain because we've been in such a drought. And so things that probably cause other people to want to stay in, I just want to go outside and say thank you, God, for another day of your provision for our state, which needs every drop that we can get. So I'm grateful for how God provides for us, even when we have absolutely nothing. We can't contribute in any way, shape, or form to what the weather holds. But the fact that I get to be alive and see our hills stay green for a little longer gives me great joy. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I have um, a quote that one of my friends said recently. I just saw it on one of her stories on Instagram and she said, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. And I thought, (laughs) man, that is such a good way of putting it because I don't view things like that. And I was like, now I have to, now I have to view that there is no bad weather. I just need to get the right equipment to put on my body and get my booty outside. (laughs) I'm going to adopt that for myself. Thank you for sharing that. So yes. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on. Really, you've just opened my eyes to politics and how we can all just work together for the greater good and that it is okay to have those conversations and that the Lord will guide our steps in them. Thank you. My perspective has changed drastically. You can engage in politics without losing your friends or your core beliefs. As Christians, we are citizens of heaven and can engage in politics in a manner that shines God's light with love, understanding, and unity. Whatever political aisle you find yourself on, I hope you walk away from this conversation willing to set down your pride and take on an attitude of curiosity. God loves us all. It's time for us to start treating each other that way. It's the only way to heal our nation. I'm so grateful you spent time today listening to this episode. If you were encouraged by what you heard, share the love with other women you know and send them the link to this episode. Just think how many more women could be blessed with faith-inspired encouragement. Love and prayers, Erica. Congrats on saying yes to a life filled with joy and Jesus. If you want more, head to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform to stay faith-inspired. And remember, faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle.